0: Hi, I'm Kevin. And I'm Josh. And we're hosting a new show from Big Talk Podcast called Junk Drawer. Did you ever wonder where all the crap in your junk drawer comes from? Like, really comes from? Well, we do. So each episode, we give you the history of all that shit you have stuck in that cluttered mess. Who invented scotch tape? What are bouncy balls made of? What is an NFT? And to keep you guessing, we'll be swapping off hosting duties each episode. That's right. The host is going to pick the topic and rock out some sweet research, and the other one sits there and learns. So join us every two weeks as we go rummaging through our
1: Jump Junk drawer. Drawer. Wait,
0: drawer. drawer. We already did We're... it. We're good. We know. Ne- okay. All right. How do you want to do it again? <laughs> Kevin and Josh will reveal a lot about all of the stuff that you forgot. Some of them may come as quite a shock. It's just lying in your junk drawer.
1: Hi, I'm Tangi Harper. Who the
0: fuck are you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Who the fuck are you? Who the fuck are you? (laughs) Who are you? Settle in as we begin to tell you about some friends. Folks you know in Chicago
1: and some you've never met.
0: We'll talk about the things they say and do. There's a question posed to old and new. Who the fuck are you? Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. This is Kevin Alves, and welcome back to another episode of Who the Fuck Are You? Hey, friends. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for joining us for another episode. I hope you're enjoying the edition of the Getting to Know Your Host episodes that we've thrown into rotation. I hope you're having a good time with that. I know I am. Kim's having a great time. We're going to do some more. We're going to rotate it in, like I said. So if you've got some questions for me, if you've got some questions for Kim, if you've got some questions for both of us, just some questions you want to hear us answer, on an episode, shoot us an email at BigTalkPodcasts, that's plural, Podcasts at gmail.com. Uh, what else is going on? Oh, there's a new show from Big Talk Podcast called Junk Drawer. It's hosted by myself and my good friend Josh Agour, and He's a writer and comedian. He's also the creator and performer of Chad the Bird, uh, who was on this show. Um, What we do on that show is we choose an item from the junk drawer and we do a deep dive on the history to kind of give you an idea of where all this crap comes from. So we'll give you the rundown of the history of like scotch tape or whiteout or bouncy balls or all those just that stuff that you find in your junk drawer. Uh, And what we'll do is we'll swap off hosting duties. So like one episode I host and I choose the topic and I do all the research. And Josh doesn't do anything. He just learns and is learning everything firsthand. It's the first time he's heard about it. He didn't even know what we're going to do until the show starts. And then we swap. He does all the research and chooses the topic. And then I hang back and I get to learn. So I'm learning along with you and he is too. So it's like, just like we're building this bond and this friendship together in a very educational and entertaining sort of way. So come on. Come on over and listen to Junk Drawer. That's on Apple Podcasts. That's on Google Podcasts. That's on Stitcher. That's on Spotify. And you can always go to our website, BigTalkChicago.com. That's BigTalkChicago.com. And be sure to rate and review that show. Be sure to rate and review this show. Five stars. We love it. Eh, bells and whistles. Ding, 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 ding. Do all the stuff. That way we get the word out and we grow, grow, grow. Go tell your friends. We're having a great time together. They should join us. Uh my guest today is a, an amazing fucking person who's just really finding a way to make her art better humans. And so oh my god, I've had the best fucking time hanging out with her and she is fucking amazing and I hope you love her as much as I do now too. So please welcome to the show Tanji Harper. How are you? I am well. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. It's really nice to meet you. Um, Great to meet you too. Yes, yes, yes. You came highly recommended to t- chat with uh, by our mutual friend, Corbett Pasco, who's also a friend and, and uh, guest on show. Uh, and, um, the show. And I was like, I don't know who they are. So let me do the research that I always do. And holy shit, you do so much. And... We'll get into, well, I, I want to say this, we'll get into that in a second, actually, we'll get into that in a second, but um, uh, I usually, uh, the I started this podcast during the pandemic, so I was always starting off with a, uh, how was everything, because it was on lockdown, and how are you going, you know, are you losing your mind and things like that. Uh, yeah. So now that we're kind of out more, I've been okay. trying to find out more positive things that might have happened during this pandemic, and so I know that some people have picked up new hobbies and some people have picked up who spent a lot of time writing. Some people didn't do much of anything. But did you find something in you that was new or did you become reacquainted with uh, an old hobby or something? You were like, fuck, I'm going to pick this back up while we're we're just sitting around with a thumb up our ass. Or were you weird on the pandemic where you were actually busy during this pandemic?
1: Yeah, I had had, um, in the beginning there was like a whole stop of Mm -hmm. just like everything stopped because I worked so much in the entertainment side of things, there was nothing cracking for a minute.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, But in an an attempt to keep my sanity and also keep inspiring um, the trolls of young people that I work with because they were also confused and bored and didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, By example is like the best way I know how to do things and show people that there's a way. Uh, So I will give credit to the pandemic for me finding my joy of cooking again. Oh, nice. I went crazy in the kitchen.
0: Oh, did you? Um, are are you more of a, a cooking or is it baking? Because there's a huge difference. There's the science cooking. behind the baking. Oh, yeah. See, I'm the same way because I like to add a little something here, do a little something there, get a basic recipe yeah. and then change it how I, I want to taste and stuff. Mm-hmm. So did you have a signature dish that you were like, yes, this is the one I fucking kind of nailed?
1: I don't. I have like a I have like a cookbook recipe kind of thing happening where I tried so many different things. Oh, yeah. What was your favorite? Um, And I got into it so far. My favorite is different types of pasta, Mm. but I've been using shrimp and vegetables and wine and garlic and shallots and lemon.
0: And just, so I
1: kind of, even tonight I made a shrimp piccata kind of,
0: uh, over angel hair pasta. What time should I come by tomorrow? (laughs) (laughs) I I love shrimp and let's go. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So it's
1: been that. And then, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the DJ D-Nice, but Mm D-Nice. Okay, so this is a dude that he's been around for a very long time um, in the hip hop world. He was a rapper first and then a producer, and now he's a DJ. He's been DJing for the last 15, 20 years. But during the pandemic, he decided to set up his equipment and DJ and go live on Instagram. Oh, nice. And it blew up really it blew up crazy it and he started to call it club quarantine oh, that's perfect so this live instagram he's djing from his living room and everyone is coming into this club like michelle obama was there what just everyone was tuning into his instagram during what? this pandemic he had everyone he had sheila e he had he had everybody he sheila had everybody. e yes holy <laughs> shit he holy had shit. everybody so now I'm I'm in my kitchen listening to be nice as he's spinning because he would just go live and he'd go live for two hours. Then he started doing it at night in the middle of the night. Club quarantine after dark. Wow. So this is a whole thing that you can look up and research. And now he's starting to do them live now that we're back slightly open. But he did right. an amazing job of bringing so many people from all over the place together just listening to music and making us feel better. So then my kitchen turned into kitchen club quarantine because mm, uh, i'm great. in my kitchen cooking uh-huh. listening to music drinking wine you know just living <laughs> so that oh was,
0: that sounds uh, like a fucking great way to take it care was of great night. that's it awesome. really
1: was it's to it, the point now where i will go to his instagram just to see if he's gone live or if he saved any of the sets because mm-hmm. i just love to listen to music and cook in my kitchen um but
0: he's so popular now it's ridiculous i'll have to look that up because that's I mean, thank God for fucking uh, one of the few times I was like, thank God for social media because it was more than just chatting with your friends and things like that. So many came, people came up with, Full sets like that worked on mm-hmm. all this great music to put out. Um, you know, people went on Twitch and basically built their yeah. own TV stations and things like yeah. that just to be able to still help entertain but also keep yourself entertained and yeah, and the art flowing. So that's one's great. I love it. Michelle Obama and Sheila E in those influences. Everyone, same place? Donnie
1: Wahlberg like, everybody was in there. <laughs> it was ridiculous. He was like, No kids on the block checking in, like, pew, 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 pew. like they were comments. It was just. It was so much
0: fun. Oh, God. So yeah. I, I hope turn- he saved all that because I mean, because that usually saves all the comments too, if I'm not mistaken. And you've got. All he's just so shy. popular
1: now that now somebody's running that Instagram, because if he does go live and, and he does a set now, it'll only be up for a couple of days and they'll take it down. Mm-hmm. And now it's a lot of promo and pictures and stuff that he's doing. He's all over the place. So be
0: D- nice. You hear that we're, we're coming for you. We're going to get you on the show. We're going to talk about this shit. That sounds nice. awesome. That is
1: amazing. He got merch and everything. So then I took a page out of his book and I was teaching a lot before the pandemic. And mm-hmm. I have a really popular adult beginner level hip hop class. hmm. And it was at Hubbard Street before they tore it down at the Lucanti Dance Studios, which did not make it through the pandemic. So that building is now gone. Mm. Um, and it was also at the American Rhythm Center, which used to be inside the Fine Arts Building. Okay. Um, so, so popular that when this happened, everybody was like, so, Tangie, what are we doing? And I was like, guys, like the studios are closed. I was like, what do you going
0: to do? I don't, I don't know. So I
1: was like, uh, I mean, I could go live from my living room. And I did. So I did that for about six months. Oh, I just fantastic. went live. I taught dance class from my living room. It was free. Um, anybody could take it. And that went really well. And then I had a young, one of my old students told me about Patreon. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that Patreon was this app, this whole site where you can, it's like your fans. If you have mm-hmm. fans that want to get a subscription and they can take your class and they can do it that way. So after giving it away for six months, I took it and I put it on Patreon um, and now I have like eight patrons that
0: consistently take my class from different places. That's amazing. Jesus. All the
1: things I learned, I knew nothing of Patreon.
0: Just like Jeff Goldblum <laughs> said, life will find a way, and by yes. God, it did. I mean, Jesus, everybody just seemed to find their uh, their little spot to be in, and that's amazing that you were still able to do what you do and still be able to keep people entertained and also keep them busy, yeah. especially for like because. I was going to say this a second ago, and I I will go ahead and just go ahead and dive into it because we're here because I am uh, these days, I don't have a sunny outlook on things, especially when it comes to people. (laughs) They are, for the most part, kind of terrible. (laughs) People are trash. But going over the things that you do and the way you have set up your art to help people and to push the positivity that we need in this world out into this world might almost change my mind on some things. Cause you just seem to be a bright spot in this shit storm of a fucking community. We live in, in slash world by, I mean, by community. Um, And I I give you fucking kudos because it takes a lot. And well, let's, let's get into this and just let's, let's, let's so we can dig in. Um, First off, Tangie, I want to find out uh, as always, because this is a Chicago based podcast. um, Are you originally from Chicago or are you a transplant in?
1: I am originally from the city, from Chicago.
0: From Chicago. Where'd you grow up? What what area?
1: South side. I was, when I was baby, baby, my parents were uh, where I am now, which is Mm -hmm. Roseland area. Okay. Uh, then we really stuck our roots into Bronzeville, and we were in Bronzeville for quite a while. Okay. Um, my parents have their own amazing, hilarious story. They were broken up and gotten back together a bunch of times and then divorced when I was in high school and then remarried <laughs> after I was done with high school until my dad passed away two years ago. So wow. they have an amazing, hilarious story. But one of the times that they were broken up, dad was in the Hyde Park area while we were in Bronzeville. hmm and so I would bounce back and back and forth between Bronzeville and Hyde Park slash Woodlawn area. Um, I pride myself on like I have never lived on the north side, but I frequent all neighborhoods in Chicago. But I've always been a south side girl and I've almost lived in every south side neighborhood.
0: That's, that's <laughs> like amazing. I'm back
1: in Roseland now. <laughs>
0: that's uh, where else?
1: Oh, I lived in Englewood for five years, too.
0: OK. What kept you here in Chicago as compared to like, because I know some people when they're growing up, they're like, I can't wait to get the fuck out of my hometown, or they're more excited to see the rest of the world. And some people are like, you know what? I'm very great here. I I mean, in in Chicago compared to small towns, of course, has so much more like art and community and and all these things, shopping and food and all that stuff. What was it that kept you here? What was the things uh, that made you want to just still practice your art here?
1: I was fortunate enough um to be able to get out of here as soon as i turned 18 i -hmm. started dancing and i was performing behind people so i was in california for a while i was in new york for a while okay um i was touring like throughout the midwest and small smaller places like i was in baltimore for a little bit and i think after being in the two places where everybody assumes you should go if you Mm -hmm. are an entertainer or dancer new york and cali new york had a more homey feel, like I understood the New York attitude a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in LA, I was like, fuck No, like, no, y'all are crazy as <laughs> shit and plastic as hell. And I can't, like, I was just too <laughs> Chicago for LA, and I'm like, right, 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 I can do this. You're I can so visit, but I can't, That's live about it. can't live here. And so, I think when I came back home, I wanted to be an example of you don't gotta go in order to make it, like, you don't mm-hmm. have to leave in order to be successful with your art. It, it may change, it may not be exactly what it was, but you don't have to leave. And then why don't we not create the safe spaces and the opportunities and the lanes in this city, which is just as great as Absolutely. LA and New York. Absolutely. Why do we not create those those avenues and those lanes here? And how can I be a part of um, that change that I wish to see? And I think that's what's kept me here the longest. Cause I've been, everyone's like giving me an opportunity to leave. I had um, somebody asked me to go run a studio in Alaska. Wow, And I could have done that, right? I could have gone to Atlanta at any moment. I got a lot of family down there. Um, I was invited to come live in LA and I was like, yeah, I'm doing yeah. It now. And so, yeah, being here has been more about showing the young people that I work with that grow up and turn into adults that it is possible for you to find uh, your space and, and build your city up. I'm also
0: really sick and tired of the shit that gets talked about chicago you um, know it's i agree it seems like it's just especially from the outside because I, I i'm not from here i'm a transplant okay. and i get a lot of the outside calls of like you know the news says something about the uh, the the murder rates up today in chicago blah, blah blah and so i immediately get text messages and calls are like are you safe are you okay yeah. and i'm like yeah totally it's wellness fine. checks yeah it's fine i mean just just because they're telling you it's a war zone it's not mm-hmm. a fucking war zone there's spots and there's things going on and it's being hopefully dealt with but it's yeah, yeah. everybody calm down it's not a shithole it's not like it a apocalyptic not. wasteland of burning garbage cans and shit and the way
1: they talk about it and the way they sensationalize what happens in certain areas definitely makes other people have a stigma about our city mm-hmm. um, that i don't share i do acknowledge that it is tough um But I'm one of those people that feels like I have the right to talk about where it's tough and why it's tough because I'm one of those people that will do the work that's necessary to change whatever's wrong. I'm not just going to talk about it. I'm not just going to yell about it and amplify it. I want to know how we can make a difference. And most of this has to do with adults who have just given up. They don't see the purpose of providing resources and and space for young people to grow into Mm -hmm. the adults that they want to share this earth with. And then they shrug their shoulders and they, you know, wash their hands of them and right? assume that this is just the demographic. Like, this is just who they are. And it's <laughs> absolutely not. No, You know, it's a just lot of people... them haven't been given a chance to even find out who they are before they're was... being
0: told. Yes, I was just about to say the same thing because, I mean, it's just... I find—I mean—I don't have kids. I have cats. That's one thing. But I, they, like, I find that a lot of adults these days, for some reason, or maybe and I think it was the same way when I was growing up, is that you hit a certain point in your life, and they're just like, "Well, don't you get it now?" It's like, "No, I'm still just fucking twelve years old. Exactly. I don't get it. I still need guidance. I still need help on becoming a human being." And and that's and one and, of the things that I—you know—exactly. That's the part. That's the yes. part. We got too many okay. regular shitty human beings. We need some good ones. How do we, how do
1: we help motivate them to being the kind of person that I would want to live next door to mm-hmm. or the kind of person that I don't mind sharing my whole community with or helping if somebody knocked on my door and asked me for sugar, I wouldn't freak out and be like, who the fuck are you? Like, <laughs> <laughs> ah! Hashtag, who the fuck
0: are you? There you go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. See, it turns around
1: I feel, it. I feel very strongly that I, I think I noticed it when I was a teenager and leaving and, and going to school with people like Corey, like. I, I think going to that school changed my perspective so much because I, this was the first time that um I was in an art school that was supporting young artists. And there were so many young, brilliant people at the Chicago Academy mm-hmm. uh, like Corbett, like, like Corey. And I, I fell in love with her because she's fantastically hilarious. hilarious. Um, so smart and so fearless, even as a teenager, mm-hmm. she was, Identical to what she is now. I think now she's just like 2.0 Corey from high school. <laughs> it's, it's which even is even more like
0: she's like. Which oh. is even
1: more like what the fuck. And, th- and then I'm super sad that she had to move because now <laughs> she's going to move to California on my ass. But I think I think going there was when I first realized that you know we turn 18, um, we're supposed to go to college or whatever or figure it out. And and that is the moment where, for a lot of young people, it just changes so fast. Like. You're 18 and you still had a curfew. You graduate and now everybody wants to know what the rest of your life is going to look like.
0: Absolutely. And that's... You're going to
1: school. You got this figured out. You got this figured out. You're like, but yesterday I had to be in the house at 1130. <laughs> right. I had to you ask your permission you for
0: everything. You didn't trust me to be out past midnight because nothing ever good happens after midnight. And now I've got to go. That's why I, me personally, when I finally went off to college, because I went to a junior college for about a year, then went to a, a major Good. university. Mm-hmm. And then that first year in that major university, I completely failed out because I was given this freedom all of a sudden to do whatever the fuck I wanted to do. And I was like, I've never had this before. So I just didn't go to class. I hung like, out and enjoyed do you my write? life, you know?
1: And why does no one tell you that this is about to be the reality that smacks you in the face? They just mm-hmm. go get ready for college right. They give you a, a trunk they give you a gift card or two and then they send you like there's no real conversation about okay um if you decide your classes are going to start at nine o'clock in the morning guess who's waking you up and getting you ready for class right
0: the last four years of your life it might have been your mom like making sure you got your butt up but i think all high schools at a senior level should have a class called going to college and they're like here's a class on how to go to college this is how you get your classes together this is how you live in college don't forget to do this shit, you know and that's kind of stuff you're like real world practical stuff, that practical you need to life learn.
1: experience that it, and it, it doesn't cost anybody to just go back and tell the kids
0: the stuff. It doesn't cost <laughs> you a thing. It's just you cost you less because the they would I call hate, you I hate in
1: love I hate and love at the same time. Um, what I could do like what what I, what is it? If I knew then what I know now?
0: Uh-huh. That one? Yeah.
1: And I'm always like, Yeah, if I knew then what I know now? Well, how about I go tell somebody <laughs> that would benefit? Yeah, that might have been that. in that space.
0: Yes. Because you can do that. It's just going to be in a different form of a different human being. You can pass that. on. And isn't that a
1: wonderful way to pay it forward? Mm -hmm. Like all these things that we're supposed to be doing to help one another out. One of the easiest things you can do is give somebody the information that needs it. And if it's a person that's younger than you, that then I think some adults are afraid of young people just doing so much better. There's a jealousy factor with some parents, I think, when their kids do well and they don't they don't encourage their children to go beyond where they went or right. beyond, or do things that they didn't do. And it freaks them out and scares them. Um, if you're getting this whole time, they're working to get
0: different. them to be at that point. They're like this, I'm trying to give you this stuff. And it's like, when they get the stuff you're like, Oh, you got the stuff. You didn't work hard enough for it. It's like, well, you, what you do have an
1: amazing opportunity to do something that you don't know anything about because that's not your lane. Right. And you want to stop me because you want me to do it the way you want me to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is completely like, what What was the point of giving your kid all of this head startness if if the minute your child goes, I think I want to move to Poland. And you're like, what you going to do in Poland? <laughs> I don't know.
0: <laughs> I don't know, but I'll figure it but out. But I
1: think I want to go. Okay. You know, like, why Why would you stop? Why would you? Why? If they have the means and they know and they can get there and they didn't come out your pocket. Why would you stop somebody from like going to see the rest of the world? Just because Especially if
0: they could speak Polish. Cause that's already, that's that you've cut down on a lot of problems right there. You are a dancer by trade. Yes. That's what you do. Uh, when did you start dancing? Nine. Nine. Was it just something that was in your blood or did, was there something that triggered you like a, like a, was it a situation where you saw a show or you were into dancers, just dance in general and that kind of clicked in your head. You're like, that's what I want to do. Or were you just always a mover? And you found out later that you could do that and still make a career.
1: So it started with gymnastics, and I was very mediocre in mm-hmm. grade school, but I loved Mary Lou mm-hmm. and I thought I was going to be her friend one day, and I wanted to do gymnastics, so I was okay at gymnastics, but not very good. But my mother was taking a dance class. Um, this was when we were in the Hyde Park area. She was mm-hmm. taking a dance class, and she showed the teacher my pictures from, like, some gymnastics thing we did, and she told her after. She saw the picture, she said, she should take a dance class. And my mom brought me to this woman and made me take my first ballet class. And I think what what did it for me was she was the first black ballerina I'd ever seen. Uh Uh-huh. So she was this beautiful black woman who had her own studio in Hyde Park and she was teaching kids and adults. And I took my first dance lesson with her. And I don't think I ever looked back after that. I was just like, I want to do this. I wanna dance um I fucking love and then janet that. jackson really killed it for me like I mean, come on come on i wanted to be in pleasure principle i wanted to be i just wanted to dance for her that was like one of my things um and she i got and I close too,
0: i'm a terrible day. Wait, you got close i got close
1: i auditioned do tell I, got close. I did i got close when i was in la for a minute i auditioned um and i didn't make it past the third cut i had to like the third cut
0: but the third cut oh. that's pretty solid mm-hmm. and the fact that you I were know like, I want to dance tracks and then you were like fuck it I'm going to go shoot I'm going to shoot for the stars that's- and the
1: funny thing is is had had I stuck at it or it's just funny to me that then I didn't make it all the way through but then like years and years later she came back out and the the kind of dancers that she was looking for had completely changed like really? she wasn't looking for you to fit into any aesthetic anymore, like mm-hmm. she started hiring based off your talent, like whether or not she loved how you dance period. Oh, it wasn't amazing. about whether or not you matched the size and all the mm-hmm. girls had to be a certain five seven and under. So Can they weren't taller the than her. And that kind
0: of shit. Yeah, yeah,
1: back when I was doing it, this was like 90s early to Yeah, like mm-hmm. late, late, late 90s, like 9899. Um, it was very different for dancers then. like, oh, you, yeah, it was a million girls auditioning for everything. They look for stuff like, you know, your height, your, your hair color, your eye color, you know, were you cuter than the artist, were you taller than the artist, were you thicker than the artist, like all of those things played into whether or not you would get a job. Did you know the choreographer or not? Were you already a part of his clique and his people because most of them are hiring from within like their own Mm -hmm. friend group?
0: Oh, it's such a shame that those are moments like that with for most artists where you're already cut before you're in the room just because mm-hmm. of your hair color or your height mm-hmm. or whatever
1: pisses it had to be me so off strategic. so
0: much pisses me off so much it's like just fucking see them and see what they can do it's and so different make now. A decision i'm glad it it's is different. so different now and, and now
1: you know, dancers are more popular than music artists
0: uh what is what is your style what what how what are you trained in as far as like dance (gasps) styles go and what is your favorite of those
1: so i'm technically trained because again we went to an amazing high school so and this was like i i'm i'm old so (laughs) i'm 44
0: so uh, you're a baby compared to me by two years
1: (laughs) in 44 i'm gen x like a motherfucker so (laughs) So, I uh, ballet, modern and jazz was what I trained in. Mm-hmm. Um, but then because of course I grew up in the 90s, I was into hip hop heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, so I fell in love with that side of things as well. Um, I didn't train under any break dancers, but I feel like I fell under the category of of like a Janet dancer where you were mixing street dance styles and jazz. So, I I am, although I am technically trained and can and can perform ballet, modern jazz, um, salsa, like all these different styles. And I pride myself on learning as much as I can because I think the more versatile of a dancer you are, the more work you can get, mm-hmm. the better you get paid. Um, mm-hmm. But then after high school and, and touring and all this stuff, when I came back to the city, everybody wanted hip-hop class. That's all they wanted to do. They didn't even think of, nobody was thinking about ballet and modern anymore. No, they just wanted to take over. hip-hop, hip-hop, hip-hop. Yep. So I started teaching it when I was 19 years old. And oh, I've wow. been teaching hip-hop for the last 20 some hard years wow since you were 19 that was when i like first that. started teaching at the Southside ymca on 63rd
0: and stony island and here we are you still being able to do that and still bringing new new art to new people and then taking these this this dance revolution and passing it down through generation to generation and i fucking love that that's And
1: part of it was acknowledging that it's not mine anymore. Like hip hop was mine when I was a teenager Mm -hmm. and I could own it and love it and do all that, but growing through it and teaching it to others and giving it, you know, giving other young dancers the foundation for how to move in this style and free themselves up because mostly this style is about just having fun grooves and having some confidence, you know, Mm -hmm. just in how you move, but also like allowing them to create and giving them the ownership of, but then being okay with like, it's not how it was when I was younger, like all our shit was even and, you know, it was like big and you know, right. the 90s was like cross colors <laughs> and all yes. huge and I'm like, yes. now 2021, these kids move twice as fast as I
0: ever did right. in the
1: same amount of music. Like they hear shit I just did not hear back in the
0: day, and I'm They're, like, this is
1: incredible. Like they are on another level. Some of the stuff I see
0: these days level. is just fucking. Um, it's like you, I, I feel like most of the dancers I've seen these days are some sort of like cyborg robot,
1: have to be, uh-huh.
0: because the things that they can do with their body. some oh, something no to the other dude. Some guy came on. A, oh, it was a video of a dude on a CTA, and he just like slid up a pole while he was sideways uh-huh. and i'm like mm-hmm. how did you even do that shit like like those kind of abs like, of steel abs of fucking steel and these kids are just <laughs> fucking steel. doing it all over the place and i'm just like floored where i was like can i just go outside and fucking play kickball for a little bit these kids are just doing all this amazing shit and it blows my They mind.
1: are next level and they've also proven to me that telling them the right stuff giving them the right information encouraging them and telling them oh my god you're great does nothing but make them better like all of these young people that I was working with when they were teenagers are now in their 20s and they are creating their own spaces and ways to help push the culture forward they're creating new lanes um for dancers that don't live in Chicago that are from LA and out of the country to come here and teach young Mm -hmm. dancers and they're trying to make it affordable for young people they're trying to make it accessible for everybody not just for like your north side kids that got the money right right trying to make it accessible for everybody And
0: again, changing my fucking mind.
1: I'm so glad I can. That's often my goal. Sometimes change, change your trajectory, or to change the ideas that you thought you were comfortable with. I want to challenge those in people, and I definitely want to, you know, be the change I wish to see in the city. I don't, I don't want to add to the negativity in any way, if anything. I want to amplify the positive. I want to see a lot more of our young people make it to wherever they're trying to make it to if it's out it's out if it's if it's here then make it here but um i yeah i don't know any other way to to help do that other than to get involved and keep telling
0: them you know and that's what you got to do it just got to keep you just got to keep at it and keep pushing and that's the thing and it seems like that's what you do because looking at the looking at everything that you're involved with and not just involved with like like started like you were the founder of so many things it's just you not only work with youth but you work with adults to help bring this out in them and help give them an outlet um we'll start off we'll talk about the the blue rhythm collective this is you are the founder and leader of this blue rhythm collective which is just a community of artists that give adults an outlet for their art for whether it's dance or music and things like that which is amazing because there are so many people out there who they have their lives they have their career trajectories but they also have this love of dance or music that they don't have an outlet for because unless you get hired for something like that you're just dancing around your living room it's like who gives up um how does how did this come about were you just sitting around one day as like some friends were like fuck i want to go dance and you're like let's go do it and then it became a thing (laughs) it
1: happened because of all the kids started growing up yeah. All these kids that I was working with were turning into adults and some of them were leaving and going to other places and some were still here and they were just like, okay, like I aged out of that thing. I aged out of that. I'm too old for this. And it was really the, the 19 to 26 year old gap that I was seeing nobody provide any sort of programming or lanes for, because like we talked about earlier, that's when you supposed to quote unquote, have it figured out. Like, mm-hmm. You're done with high school. So there's tons of like programming for elementary school kids. There's tons of programming for high school kids because we got After School Matters, Mm -hmm. which I worked with for 18 years. Like that demographic, they used to go from 14 to 21. They stopped and it was only 14 to 18. So after 18, what are you supposed to do if you want to maybe still be here and create? And that's literally where Blue Rhythm came from. A long time ago i had this dream of of lauren hill was my favorite i love lauren hill Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: and i used to have this dream of performing with her with a company of dancers where she would sing a song by herself in concert and then Uh she would go off stage and then we would perform one of her songs as a dance company and then she would come back and then sing another one but we would perform with her and then we would perform one without her like just this mix of like music and dance and this dance concert slash music concert collaboration and i got to do it but i didn't get to do it with lauren i got to do it with
0: jamila woods which (laughs) is probably better (laughs) you just i see why you and Corbett get along because you're both like i i want to do this thing and within five Mm -hmm. minutes you're like well i've made seven contacts about this and we've got a space and we're doing this and this and this and this it seems like no matter what you put your mind to you are driven to get it done which is or like
1: the universe just like aligns itself in some way and then some opportunity comes along um because a lot of this stuff like when blue rhythm unofficially started it was from a phone call uh, mariah neuroth is a wonderful person that used to work with yca um she's in new york now she also works for the reader so at one point she was working with lyric opera and she called me and was like hey there's this pilot program where they wanna um, help a group of people put together a story that has music and dance in it. She was like, do you think you could get some people together and like, <laughs> you wanna try this out? And I was like, uh-huh. I've been uh-huh.
0: planning <laughs> this for years. Oh, let me get my, my, my dream book out. So yeah, Slam. so
1: I called you know, my favorites, the people that I knew that would help me out. And I was like, I need somebody that can write songs. I need somebody who can play. I need somebody who can sing. I need some dancers. I need somebody else, i need more than just me to be good at the choreo and they were going <laughs> to give me everything else they were going to give me a director give me a stage manager give me the space um and help us design this whole project so we did it and then i met jess mcleod who is now one of my favorite people ever and she's a director oh yeah yeah and has, familiar, yeah she's yeah, incredible yeah, yeah. she's incredible and now we we keep doing stuff together because once she met the people that i work with with blue rhythm she was like first of all you're so fast She was like you guys are not a part of the theater community but you take notes better than most of the people in the theater community you don't have any ego because you're not a part of the theater community (laughs) so i can literally tell you anything and you don't get pissed or you know like you're challenging my art this is my thing right no no (laughs)
0: no i'm going to my trailer (laughs) like we don't
1: have any of that shit because most of us were dancers and singers so we didn't come at it from that from that aspect but it made it really easy for us to create um this art and so we made this story called out of the blue like Blue Rhythm, and it was pretty much about uh, some dancers and the different uh, the different lives they were leading. Like one was multi-talented but didn't have any support. Another one uh, was super lazy but really talented and kept getting opportunities but kept messing it up because you mm-hmm. were irresponsible and lazy. Um, another one was caught between gangs and dancing. Um, and another one, there was four, the fourth one yeah, the fourth one ended up getting killed, unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, from being around too much stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the one that was caught between the gangs eventually decided, I need to get away from that and go do this dance thing. Otherwise, I'm going to end up like my friend who wasn't even in the gangs. He just got caught right. being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, but it was great. And we got to do that twice. Once as the guinea pig and then for real. And they put us on the Harris Theater stage. Oh, wow. What like, a great opportunity. What a fucking great opportunity. It was insane, and so after that, it was just like we're just gonna keep keep doing it. And it, it depends on like what kind of projects we get. So I developed the Blue Rhythm Collective into two different parts. The collective is more the theater art side, where mm-hmm. if someone is doing a play and they want dancers and choreography, they can call us and we can provide that for them without them, without us having to be in house the entire time. Like right, at a very shorter amount of time, can take your script. Um, if you need music, we can do that, too. But we can take your script. We can score it if you like. We can choreograph the spaces and we can provide you with the dancers. So all you have to worry about is your blocking in your actors and your costumes. And then we put it together and, you know, rehearse it and space it and we go. That's, That's one amazing. aspect.
0: That's amazing. The other
1: is um We create stuff from the ground up, our own stories, and we add music and choreo and all of that. And we find a, a director. So far, we haven't had to find one because Jess constantly is like, "Yes, I'll do it. Yes, I'll do it. Yes, I'll do it." Yes, I'll do it. And that's the thing um, is when you
0: find your team, like the team of man, people that you can work with, and they're always there. And they you all kind of speak the same language, and you know where you're at. And you're on the same page. It's fucking magic in a room, and that kind of shit. Happens. And we get shit done. Yeah, we get people, shit done. People show up prepared. They've done their homework. They're here to work, and that's yes. The, and that's the fun part about working in the arts is when people come ready to work and then you get in a room and start putting all this magic together Nothing and it just becomes it. a thing. Nothing beats it. I agree with you on that. It's like no
1: better work ever. Cause it doesn't feel like
0: work at all. So during the
1: pandemic, Jess called and was like, I've been thinking about this thing for a long time. She was like, and I can't think of anybody better than blue rhythm to do it with. She was like, but it's, it's tied into the red line. And she's like, I'm thinking about the red line as a, a blood vein transit that goes through the city's heartbeat. But also how it relates to redlining mm-hmm. and how these neighborhoods were were created and, and, you know, that whole. So we've been researching since the pandemic started. We have such an amazing thing coming up and Victory Gardens Theater wants to produce it and do it. So we are now under contract with them to produce this hopefully in 2022. So you'll oh. get to see.
0: Oh, that's fantastic.
1: Yeah, yeah, I just yeah, got, yeah. I just got really excited. That sounds really fucking cool. It's insane. It's insane. We did a small project um in Lincoln Park where we shot a video about the young lords because uh-huh. Lincoln Park used to be completely Puerto Rican neighborhood before uh-huh. it was gentrified and they were all moved to Humble Park. But there was a gang that was um re- they were influenced by Black Panther Party. And they were a young Latino gang called Young Lords, and they had sit-ins and they created free breakfast programs just like Black Panthers did. Wow. Um, But the leader was, he was killed inside a church over there. They definitely executed them. The rest of them are in hiding and and on the run all over the place um, because the FBI still wants the Young Lords, which is ridiculous. But we did a video at Lincoln Park High School, which is where they started their gang Uh when they were like 13 or 14 years old. So that was like our first little teaser of like what these stories could end up being like because if you go to Lincoln Park now, you would never know that that
0: no no looks you know
1: what I mean? Like there's a Walgreens in a church there's a Walgreens that used to be a church Mm -hmm. where a lot of this stuff happened and you can only tell because the top of the Walgreens still looks a little bit like a steeple. And so I'm like, this is so washed. Like you would never know that any of these things happened in this neighborhood. Oh,
0: absolutely so. not. The only thing I know about Lincoln Park over there is there's like, there was the, the one theater greenhouse and mm-hmm. then uh, uh party time. You know, that's where mm-hmm. the bars, John Barleycorn used to be over there and all these, you know, scantily clad young women and these brod out <laughs> old douchebags is fucking hanging out. And then it's like, that's what, that's what I know about Lincoln Park. Uh, blue rhythm. I, I love, I like the blue rhythm kind of seems like the, um, the, the the uh the college of your other work mm-hmm. you say because it's the older the older kids coming into that uh, i want to talk about the happiness club too Want to go back to the to, to the to the little kids the baby um happiness club It is it is a group that kind of gives kids outlets for again dance and music and mm-hmm. really just a way to kind of help instill positivity and mm-hmm. and and support in this in this day and age that kids so need so bad so nowadays. Was this a group that you started yourself, or was this somebody, uh, was this a, a, the happiness club, an existing thing that you fell in with? Because I know you're the artistic director uh of, of this group. So is this something that you helped found, or is this something that you've helped shape? I helped shape, I took over
1: um after it was being run. It, it was originally created by Gigi Farachi Harris. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to mention her with a lot of admiration and love until uh, she became an avid and over-the-top Trump supporter. No, um, no. I know she broke no. my heart. She and and not just because you support Trump. That's just that's just dumb. That's fine. <laughs> it was more like um, one day she put up a picture of the Statue of Liberty on her social media and said, um, "If you don't like it here, get out." Or if you're so sick of this country, get out. And Statue of Liberty was like pointing for people to leave. So I commented under, and I was like, this cannot be coming from the same woman that started the Happiness Club.
0: Because you yeah.
1: are a white woman. It just made me rethink everything that I knew about her and even what she mm-hmm. was doing then. So she started it in the 90s. She claims that um, there was a kid that she knew that saw a drive-by and they were really affected by it. So she decided to start this group um, where kids could come together, talk about the issues that were happening in their community, create songs about it, then go out into the community and perform the songs as a way to encourage other young people to not get involved with gangs, to not smoke, to stay in school—that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Super Mickey Mouse Club type, you know? Right, right, right. Back in the day, Positivity, the best way I used to explain yeah. it was like Kids Incorporated, like a kid oh, rock concert. Yes, Kids with, Incorporated. Yep, with positive music. So I came on in two thousand as just a choreographer. Um, she wasn't running it because she was sick. Her sister had taken over at that point. Then they decided to give it to the music director at the time. And then after she took over, she started to sort of shift things like anybody does. If you mm-hmm. put somebody else in leadership, they're going to change the way things are being done. Yeah, absolutely. So she started to change things and they didn't like the way she was changing it. So it turned into this big, huge conversation that I got invited to that I didn't feel like I had any place being at. Um <laughs> And she stepped, they, the board had her step down all the way. The woman that was music director, Sasha, ran it until 2006, but she was training me the whole time without Mm -hmm. me knowing it. Around 2006, she started to like not come. She would be like, hey, um, I got something to do. I won't be there at this time. Make sure you're on time. Make sure you do this, 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 and this. So she started training me by not being there and just giving me directions and having me run rehearsal. And then one day she was like, I'm out and I'm putting you in charge. And I was like, what?
0: <laughs>
1: so I've been running all it of a since you were 2007.
0: Like, oh, 2007. Wow. 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 I've that's had great. it
1: longer than the woman that originally started it. <laughs> it
0: sounds like fucking better. So that's, that's, it is good so thing. much
1: better because her, her legacy and the kids that she worked with that were in the group all still had issues. i'm like it just made me rethink everything about her i was like you are not the person that i thought you were and the difference is my track record with the people that i have worked with these kids turn out amazing and it took me learning about adolescence and like how young people or just not even learning but remembering what it was like to be a young person um, and growing up and like what kind of space would help me thrive and then we started to really get into like who they were i care about who you are as a person i just how great you dance like right. I want this you, isn't yeah, about be great. that yeah
0: this is not just about that this is a great just-
1: dancer but if you're a great dancer and an asshole or you're a great singer okay. and you're you're a dick like nobody nobody wants to hire
0: you who gives a fuck
1: nobody wants to work with you and when you leave here you're leaving the happiness club most of them age out at like 21 some 18 uh-huh. because they go off to college but the ones that stay are there until they're probably 21 years old so when you're done with this group what kind of person are you and what are you going to do <laughs>
0: Tangy, you make me wish I had a tangy in my life when I was growing up. Um, if anybody's interested in in joining the Happiness Club, like how can people get involved with this? Uh, it's not just kids too. Like, do you take adult volunteers to help come in for like concerts and things like that?
1: We absolutely do. So there's a couple ways. So we have a website, thehappinessclub.com. Uh, And you can easily find me on that website. It'll say, you can email Tangie directly. So you can always email and request. We do have auditions. We only do um, call auditions like once every two years, because normally we get too much of a response. And then um, the kids that come don't understand the commitment level, and it's not huge, but it's ongoing. So it's every Sunday for about three, four hours of rehearsal. And then whenever we have shows in the summertime, the shows are are hefty. Mm-hmm. And during the school year, it's less because we respect school schedules. But you can always email me. Uh, we're on every social media platform possible. You can always inbox if you're interested. I like taking kids' word of mouth better than I do um, the open call auditions. Mm-hmm. Word of mouth means somebody knows you and knows me and knows mm-hmm. the group and thought about it and was like, "You buddy, good fit like you You should probably check this out yeah those kids last way longer than me putting up a blast and going can you sing and you dance you like to rap but you like to come because then they come and what you don't understand is uh, not you specifically but what people don't understand is is our our programming and setting is a lot different we are part arts and education and we are part social club so when you come to a rehearsal it's not like everybody sit down. Here's dance portion. Da, da, mm-hmm. da, 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 it's not, they come in, they speak, they say, what's up. We talk about what we're going to do for the day. It's very relaxed because this is their outside of school friend setting. So mm-hmm. they see each other and connect and bond. And you know, once everybody, I don't even have, I'm not even a stickler about it. If I say rehearsal starts at two, some people come at two, some people come at two fifteen. some people come at two 30, as soon as they're done, you know, so when I get a good amount of the group there, we start going over the stuff that we know, if there's anything that we need to work on or uh, create, or then we we do that as a group and songwriting happens as a group sometimes. Um, Creating the choreography happens as a group sometimes. That's amazing. Um, And we split it up based on who can be there when. So my music director, Miles, and my vocal coach, Keisha, they talk to each other and they're like, okay, we can't be at the beginning of rehearsal, we'll be at the end. So then I'll leave the vocals for the last hour of rehearsal so that they can focus just on that. And then I'll handle the bulk of rehearsal with everybody else. If Mm -hmm. they switch that I switch it. So it's very, very chill, very loose, but it's very both things. It's like, yes, we're going to work on raps. Yes. We're going to work on music. Yes. We're writing songs. Yes. We have all this choreography. Yes. You need to learn the show, but also too, if there's 25 minutes where I'm over here working on that and there's nothing going on, Mm -hmm. they can do their homework. Yeah. They can talk to each other.
0: Oh, that's amazing.
1: They can go eat lunch and, you know, go eat together and, and chill out. Like they can, they can do other things. And we've started to open up um, the tech side of things because a lot of these kids are interested in video content
0: editing oh that's great um, yeah because that's the big thing right yeah. now and it's something they can do now with their phones and things like that there's all the software you just kind of have to have the artistic like the tech side of it like this is how you would set this up or this is how you do this and then yep. give them the practice it's that's fucking it. amazing it based on the opportunity that's it it is really amazing that you've given in holding this space for these kids these days and giving them the opportunity. There's so much stuff that we didn't even get a chance to talk about. Um, like all of the new music that's on your, on the website for the happiness club that was written by the happiness club. And I listened to a few yeah. songs. I'm like, this is fucking jams. This is a fucking cool ass music. <laughs> that these kids have come up with that I would have been like, normally I'm like, you you got a kid song for me. I don't want to fucking hear that. It's probably terrible, but it's not. Like it's really fucking good. I caught myself when I was researching for you to come on the show, just sitting and listening. Like I had, I let the music run and all of a sudden I realized I was like four songs through and I'm like, Oh fuck, this is really great. This is, I I love this. So congratulations (laughs) to be able to run this for this long and just really give the kids this space and still keep such a great heart about you, I think is an amazing feat. You seem to be a really, really awesome person and uh it's been fucking really cool to get to know you and chat with you tonight um so fun kevin now we gotta go have drinks somewhere uh <laughs> well twist my fucking arm <laughs> um Tangie, we are at the second half of the show and it's my second favorite part of the show because it's the second half of the show and it's called same three questions same three questions and these are the same three questions I ask all my guests, and it's fun to hear all the different fucking answers, and it kind of shows a little bit more about who you are as an individual. So uh, you get a point for getting each one right, and if you get all three right, you win. Okay. So the first question is, is if you could have one superpower, which would it be and why? it's tough invisibility in- I invisibility, think invisibility yeah okay what is it for invisibility with you because that's actually i've only had that answer i think maybe once maybe twice but what's it what's are you are, are you a pervert are you secretly a pervert and you want to sit around and watch people in the showers like in the, like it was an 80s movie or do you want to be like you want to be like a spy it's ninja more,
1: sometimes i wish i could be a fly on the wall mm-hmm. that's part of it but then the other shit is like the amount of things i could just do and get away with and nobody knew i was there Oh yeah! You like can I just stuff. go take all the money I need, and nobody ever saw me. You <laughs> could just let, spend, you,
0: know you could be it. A, you could just spend all your day at Six Flags and have the best time. Nobody and would nobody ever know would know. You're know. There, I could know. sneak on a
1: plane. Oh god! I could, yeah. you know
0: invisibility no that's great i like invisibility because that's fun that's always that's always a good time you can always you can get into some good some good trouble with invisibility good I trouble like that. yeah, yeah. That's, what, that's what we like, good, like trouble. good trouble good trouble uh okay great invisibility you got that right that's a great answer so you got it right yeah. uh so perfect that's one one so far that's number one number two question number two if after you died you were reincarnated as a sandwich which sandwich would you want that to be now this can be like a regular sandwich that you're super into, or it could be a sandwich that best represents you. It's gonna be a Reuben. Hmm. I think you're my second Reuben. What, what is what is it about the Reuben for you? And and is it just because it's your favorite, or does does the 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 Reuben describe you in in a, in a way?
1: It it might. And I never thought about it like that. But I'm gonna go with yes. It is my favorite sandwich. Is okay. like an addiction. Like whenever I see that somebody has a Reuben, I have to try it to make sure that it is good. <laughs> and write. I'm sure um, strangers
0: <laughs> fucking hate you. You just roll up. Like, I'm like, you got a fucking sandwich. Bring
1: like, it to me. Bring God it right it. now. Let me taste it. Let me taste it. Let me taste it. Um, so the local diner's me... like,
0: fuck Tangie's here. Everybody hide your sandwiches. Dead ass. And if it's <laughs> wrong, I'm gonna say something.
1: So the other part of it is like, it's just such an unusual combination of things that go hmm. really well together. I love and that. And that just, that made me think of like, maybe it does kind of describe
0: me a little bit. It's I an like
1: unusual that combination of things that surprisingly goes
0: super well a lot of things that cover a lot of bases but it makes one delicious sandwich yeah you know tangy i don't i don't know you for thousand shit, Island i had hundred percent
1: sauerkraut right
0: <laughs> but i'll hundred percent back you on that you definitely are a reuben i give you yes kudos for that absolutely i love it all <laughs> yes. right that's great that's great you got that right that's two you get two for two so far Invisibility, Rubens, both right answers. I had them written down here, I guess. Uh and our final question. Hey, Tanji. Blue or green? Blue. Ooh. So sorry. The answer was green. <laughs> answer was- So close two out of three so, close. So close so, so close, close so close but so close yeah we're green today it's uh, blue kevin the answer is blue <laughs> i know it's my favorite but just for my bit i have to because if i if if it's right then i have to give people prizes and i can't afford you, that you, you i no run a podcast prize. i don't have any money um tangy where can people find you on social media do you have a social media are you that or I is do. it is it is it just all happiness club and, and blue rhythm no
1: i have my own um and you can find me based in relation to both but i am at dance tanj d-a-n-c-e-t-a-n-j uh that is my insta that is my twitter which i'm rarely on i'm rarely mm-hmm. on twitter um but instagram facebook just tangy harper um a shout out to my newest venture which is story catchers theater
0: which we didn't get a chance to talk about that I that's mean, okay
1: they're great too they are just uh the she'll newest- have to come back yeah. They're just the newest because they are uh, kids that are in the juvenile detention center. So, oh,
0: so they're everybody important. go find them and, and look that up. And so you can learn more yes. about that too, because it seems like everything you're doing, you're fucking helping everyone. And Jesus Christ, if you were here, I'd give you a hug. If you were vaccinated and very cool with personal space,
1: I am um, vaccinated and very cool. Great. Well, no, take you're very it. Cool.
0: <laughs> great. <laughs> I fucking love it. Uh, everybody go find Tangie, yes. find more about blue rhythm and the happiness club, join dance fucking. And, and, you know, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to start my own merch for my own show. And one of the shirts I'm going to make, it just says, be like Tangy. Everyone should just be like Tangy. Fucking try to help people out. Don't be a fucking <laughs> asshole unless it's necessary and be supportive to people who fucking need it and help. Just help for a change. Somebody just forward. fucking everybody just help and pay it forward because forward.
1: be the change you wish to see guys be the change you wish to see.
0: I love it. Um, you- if
1: you're interested in adult level beginner classes for hip hop, if anybody's interested, I am one of the best out here. I do not torment you with a whole bunch of steps. It's just grooves and good times. Uh, but I will start my adult level classes at Visceral Dance Studio, which is on the north side uh, in October. There so it'll go. be on Sundays at twelve o'clock. so if you guys are interested in taking some classes,
0: yes, I'm your girl. Get do it, do do it. Go do the stuff that I can't fucking do. Because I'm <laughs> I at can teach this. you too now, oh, Kevin. No. You be. I would be. I would jail. be. Would I would jail. be the whitest hip hop dancer that was. Ever That's okay. On planet Earth, but not That's in a okay. good it's way. It's
1: 2021. Like, <laughs> the white ones are the great ones now.
0: Not, not this guy. Sitting in a chair too long hurts my legs, let alone <laughs> fucking getting up and dead <laughs> popping. Uh Tanji, thanks so much for uh sitting down with me today. I really do appreciate it. It's great to meet you. you
1: very welcome. This was super fun.
0: Oh my God, she is just so fucking amazing. What I have to see if she'll be my new best friend. Yeah. Well, that about does it for this episode. As always, I want to thank my dear friend, Mr. Jason Moody, for our kick-ass theme song, and our dear friend, Ms. Corbett Pasco for our three-question stinger. Be sure to join us next episode when we sit down with another guest and we ask them that burning question. Who the fuck are you? Blah, blah, blah. Big talk.